On Perspective this week, we consider the momentous political events that took place in and around last week's Tynwald sitting. Claire Christian MHK answers her own question about confidence in the Treasury Minister, and Joni Farragher MHK explains how tough it is to stand up for the people who elected you. Political commentator Alistair Ramsey has a stab at describing how difficult it must feel in Minister Ashford's shoes right now, and reporter Sam Turton suggests that maybe the media should have done more to highlight the DHSC's problems. I began by asking Sam about the Ransom DHSC case. You did an excellent uh, piece uh, with Jeff, uh, summarising how we've ended up, where where we ended up, why the Chief Minister ultimately had to make this statement in Tynwald. So perhaps um, you could start off by giving us a summary of your summary. <laughs> I suppose the thing I started off by saying was that uh, with an apology to Dr Ransom, actually from myself as being in the media, that at the start of the pandemic, I think there was a period where we saw her twice and then she sort of disappeared. And I suppose, aside from Paul Moulton, none of us really questioned that enough. And that, as it turns out, is when a lot of the things that have been found to have gone on during the tribunal, and of course, this isn't just the tribunal, this is also what was said to the Public Accounts Committee, um, has gone on. And essentially, that's what I wrote, that there was a time when more questions should have been asked of the government by a lot of people, including the media, and we didn't do that. I don't necessarily think Timwood decorated itself in glory at the time either. I think there were some backbench MHKs. Bill Shimmons was quite forthright at times. But it was a weird period, and through that, I think there was a failure not just of government systems, but it was quite a big failure of a lot of areas to properly look at what was going on and ultimately to consider why the government wasn't listening to the island's most senior doctor who they'd appointed basically weeks before off the back of being somebody who was an expert. Tim Glover uh, did argue this point in in the discussion in Tinwald that um, they were being told to to drop stories in in connection to all of this, that uh, pressure was being brought to bear by uh, the... uh, spokespersons from government that uh, Manx Radio needed to 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 pull back its horns. It's not just Manx Radio. We did a we did a story on it was based off um Tanya August Hansen MLC did she tweeted about it um saying understand Dr. Hansen's gone. And we chased that up with the government and they said we don't comment on staffing matters. So we ran the story saying Chief Chief Doctor's been sidelined, she's gone. And they suddenly come back with, no, she hasn't gone. you, this is wrong, you need to correct this now and send a statement out. And then it turns, if you look at the timeline, you could say factually they were correct. She was still technically in post. But if you read the tribunal report, by that point, she effectively wasn't. Had a PA taken away from her, had a phone taken away from her, wasn't being spoken to by senior figures. You know, So there is definitely an element of this where the government were very quick not to say anything and then suddenly say something when we all did do these things at the time. And I think, again, this is another failing that I'm happy to admit. I, at the time, I probably was too quick to go, right, well, we've got that wrong then, instead of looking at what was going on around that. And, again, that's another thing I can only say. I got wrong, and I'm sorry for that. So uh, the two MHKs that, that have joined us on the programme, uh, uh, Joni, obviously you made some fairly robust comments, uh, robust questions, I suppose, of, of the Chief Minister's statement. Um, uh, I mean, what what's your take on, on well, the, the situation uh, generally, but also uh, on what the Chief Minister did and indeed didn't say? 
Well, I suppose to start with the first thing, you know, my take on what's happened, I just think that this is probably a crisis of, of unparalleled significance, really, for in my lifetime, I think. And, you know, for, for the government, for the sitting administration, and they needed to really show that their words were going to translate into actions in terms of um, getting back in touch with the public and really taking control of what's going on in government and delivering. And I feel like there's a potential that the statement uh, um, from Alf Cannon uh, in, in this week's Timworld, as well as the way that questions were handled, has potentially um, fed a bit of a fire in, in the Manx public and, and possibly hasn't given people what they wanted to hear um, in, in the wake of this crisis, I suppose, in the tribunal's decision that um, Dr Ransom was unfairly dismissed from her role. Um, I think that what we need to see now is a real commitment to tangible action, but also to listening to what people want to, what the public want to actually happen from here. And I, if we don't see that, I think that, you know, this administration will potentially have set itself on the wrong path. And I don't want that, obviously, and I'm sure that they don't want that either. So I really do feel like they need to start listening now. And Claire Christian, I mean, you were probably as robust as anybody in terms of the questioning uh, you, you asked some fairly specific questions of the chief minister in relation to his confidence in in both the uh, former health minister David Ashford and indeed the director of public health Henrietta Hewitt were you surprised at the chief minister's answer to your questions? Um, not so you know it, it just unfortunately um timwald has a precedent of of not answering questions properly um but at the same time the fact that he didn't answer um you know we've all said absolutely that's that speaks volumes he didn't turn around and say i have absolute full confidence in the director of public health he didn't say i have absolute confidence in my my now treasury minister um and and that <laughs> He might he might disagree with me on that, but but for me that speak, speaks volumes. Um, I also agree um, with Miss Farga that basically the uh, situation and way the president handled um, the questions, I, I neither Joni or I could see. Um, you know. Uh, the chief minister, and actually only through videos which Jeff Mongoose has taken and, and other other people, we've been able to see that actually the chief minister was indicating to the president to not answer certain questions. Now, who is running Timwald? Is it the chief minister or is it the president? And I, I'm really shocked that actually, even before myself or Joni could even finish our questions, the decision was made. That, that's not right. There should have, we should have been allowed to have a full question out there and then a decision being made. At least that would have shown respect. It's a little bit reminds me of what's what's kind of happening that we're talking about. It's this kind of brushing to the side. You're not allowed to do that. We don't let you do that. So it it's it's in Tinwald as well, and, and this is what we've got to stop. And, respect and has got to happen. In, in relation to this whole question of subjudice, I mean, the... the Effectively, the Industrial Tribunal has reported. It has reported that it it proposes to do further investigations. But uh, my understanding of sub subjudice was you can't comment on ongoing cases. Um, have I, I, as far as I was aware, none of these ongoing uh, new elements to the investigation have actually started. So, uh, is it 
was this the correct interpretation of subjudice as far as you're aware? I do think that's quite an interesting question because I felt at the time um, that, <laughs> that I wanted to say, is there a difference between we can't answer that because that's subject to subjudice and we don't want to answer that because it's an awkward question, actually. Mm. And when I asked the question of will there be um, a commitment to looking into senior government members as well as elected representatives leaning on the media... I do not understand how that could actually be subject to subjudice and that was refused to be answered because of the um, subjudice clause and I, I, I don't really understand how that possibly could be. So it would be interesting to get some explanations as to, as to why those questions, as well as the questions that Claire answered and, and many others, were just, it was decided that they weren't, going to, they weren't going to be answered and I'm not sure whether subjudice answers all of them. And certainly, uh, Claire, I mean, the, the, the surprise... Yeah, the, the big well yeah it is it's a big surprise really the chief minister was not prepared to answer your question a very direct question has he got confidence in his most senior minister the treasury minister yeah let's put it into a question if i'd asked him maybe pr- pr- prior to that question do you have confidence in your deputy chief minister jane paul wilson do you have confidence in her answer probably would have been yes if i'd asked him directly straight afterwards do you have you know confidence in david ashford would that answer have been directly yes? Ah, I don't think it would have been. And, and Sam, maybe using a, a footballing analogy, of course, uh, the last thing the uh, the manager wants is, is confidence from the chairman of the board uh, just before he's sacked. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's a lot of truth in that. It's always that thing, isn't it? The last thing you ever want to hear is a public statement saying the manager retains our complete faith. Um I don't know, it's kind of weird. I think there was, there was an element of, we have two MHKs who did do this, but I think there's sort of a lacking in other backbenchers. I don't think some of the questions were necessarily what people needed to hear either. I think you both got to the point of what people really want to know. Do we have faith in the system? Do we have faith in the ministers? I think some of the others, they got a bit into the detail of what the chief minister had spoken about, which, fair enough, you responded to his statement. But I think there could have been more questions around... Really, I, I personally think there should have been more questions about this. Do you have faith? in your Treasury Minister, in your Director of Public Health. You know, because ultimately these are two incredibly senior positions in government. And if the Chief Minister can't stand there and say yes, then we can take it from how we like it ourselves. We can all look at that and go, well, he hasn't exactly been very positive about the situation. And, you know, there isn't just this, of course. You know, we do also have to think about these documents, which we'll get round to eventually. That will put pressure on other people who are in now in council of ministers, especially around the timing of when these documents are alleged to have been created looking at the metadata. So I think that whether they thought this was going to be a helpful sitting, I don't think it was a helpful sitting for them, and moving forward, I expect there will be a lot more questions. And at some point, the chief minister is going to have to say yes or no. I have to say that when I was listening to the chief minister's uh, statement, I did think, oh, thank goodness... <laughs> Thank goodness I'm not still in Council of Ministers because it's one of those uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't situations. You know, the Chief Minister ultimately, uh, you know, the, the, there are still further investigations that need to happen. Um, they don't know the full extent of, of what's going to come out um, uh, of all of this. Uh, so so to, to a certain extent, the Chief Minister has to keep his powder dry Um but uh, in, instead, uh, we, we, we ended up getting fired out a whole range of, of, of initiatives, presumably things that uh, are in our island plan, which the, the Council of Ministers had been working on. Um, 
perhaps this was a, a kind of a smoke screen to to uh, portray government being active and and addressing uh, issues um, but uh, it did seem a bit a bit of a strange uh, an all encompassing let's throw everything uh, um, out there um, sort of a statement if uh, I mean I've I worked in the private sector for, for pretty much all of my career um, and and also public sector so in terms of being a teacher also in the UK um, and if if there was or had been an incidence in and I'm sure this is the same for many businesses across across the island and UK wherever if you if you had a an instance where bullying um, was reported to an HR department um, and uh, it was serious allegations and there was evidence of that those allegations um, then n- in normal procedures is that that company would investigate um, in some situations those members of staff would be suspended until the investigation was com- um, completed now I'm looking at that in the same way that why does government have to be different? So, you know, and and as Sam has said, you know, when when you kind of hear the chief minister's statement, you know, you can get a bit bamboozled by all of the words that he's, you know, everything he's going to say. When you break it down, there's nothing in there that says those people are going to be investigated. And and that by us but, you know, yes, OHR are going, but that's an organisation, but, but no specific people. So when is that going to happen? And actually, that's what the Chief Minister needs to do more. And that's what I would hope that, that it, it is addressed in that way, because those people, regardless of what's going on in any investi- in any outside tribunal, we need to take and look at this ourselves. That's my opinion, and I would hope that that's what would happen, but it's not happened. Um, and I am calling for that. Um, I have I have written to the Chief Minister to ask about what investigations are happening. Um, he's advised me that the Chief Secretary is doing that. Um, so that would be the new Chief Secretary, which um, is Caldrick, Caldrick Randall. Um, and, and, of course, it's, he's not the new Chief Secretary. He's he, the interim. He's in, interim. Yeah. Um, because we're, we're going to have this very significant hiatus of, uh, is it October or November, the Chief Minister was going to report back, um, which, um, with, with, with no Chief Secretary and presumably no, no recruitment process for, for that role. But let's remember where this, um, the, the, the current Interim Chief Secretary is also the CEO of Treasury. How is that independent? How, how how is let, let's look at the whole factors here and so so it does concern me and also i i don't know what accreditation that i'm not saying he has or hasn't but but does he have any any cpd accreditation for carrying out investigations of bullying you know mm. <laughs> what's what's exactly being done here and, and and to what level and we really need to ask these questions i am doing that we haven't got another timbald um, we haven't got another opportunity in terms of statement. Um, so unfortunately, this all has to be done, you know, in in terms of emails and conversations we have with with um, with the chief minister. But I hope he does more. The chief minister, he has to. I know that backbencher pressure is happening, um, and that is good. This is, you know, for for any new backbencher, this is pretty. Um, a catastrophic situation for us all to be in. I mean, I've been in a year prior to, to Joni, but you know, nothing can prepare you for this. Is really critical scenario whereby, you know, the the reputational damage to the Isle of Man 
It's huge. It's absolutely huge. And, and actually, yeah, I mean, Joni, uh, you said in your comments earlier that this was probably the, the biggest thing in your lifetime. Well, uh, um, I know you're very young, but uh, when I was uh, when I was in uh, in House of Keys, uh, my first elected, I was in in about three months. The first of the Mount Murray investigations uh, w- was being debated, and I remember being physically sick afterwards because it's, it's such a big thing. I mean, as uh, you know, three months' experience, this massive report uh, about uh, the the whole Mount Murray situation, mm-hmm. and there was me. As a newly elected uh, member of the House of Keys, calling for the then Treasury Minister's resignation because this was a disgrace, and, and you know, and yeah. it, it's, it takes a lot out of you, um, yes. even even if you've got loads of experience, political experience, to be able to get up and say to colleagues, uh, and they are colleagues. You know, it's not like Westminster where you've got seven hundred, uh, up to seven hundred M- MPs. Uh, some many of whom you may not see from one day to the next. You're bumping into these people on a daily basis. Quite, yeah. it's it's a big deal to to actually do the sort of tough questioning that you you uh, both uh, did in Tinwood. Definitely, and I think that's probably why we didn't see as much of it as maybe we'd expected. It it, it is nerve wracking to do that. I mean, you know, I saw it as my my obligation, and I think others did as well, because I know that that's what people want to hear. They, they you know, they feel like they've elected us as their representatives, and they want to be represented with that that voice in in Timwald. However, it, you know, it, it is nerve wracking to to stand up there and say this is what I actually think. And I do feel like there's a broader, you know, kind of lesson around. So for me, I'm taking this as a big lesson that actually the book stops with us. And and that is how people see it. And you can talk your way around that as much as you like. It's not going to change that fact that the book stops with us. So actually, if you're if you're being told in your department staffing issues aren't to do with you, for example, that that you need to say, well, actually, I'll be blamed for it if this is wrong. So th- I do need to question this and I need to have my own um, political filter. I need to be able to say, um, I, I'm not just taking your word for it, one person's word for it. I'm going to actually find out, investigate this a little bit further because that's that's just so important and that is what our job is and that's a lesson that I'm taking from this and I hope others in my role as well because it, it is the public perception that that is our responsibility and our duty to actually find out exactly get to the bottom of what's happening and of course the other uh, people who are employed to hold government to account uh, sam are, are the, the press the, the the media it is our role to uh, ensure that uh, ministers and uh, government and indeed uh, backbenchers are held to account for the things that they do and say yeah and i think i think to one extent the press we've sort of come back into our own a little bit this week, um, I think there's been a few things building the past week. You know, we've had the uh, recently we had the Manx gas um, MUA issue that we uncovered with it. You know, you've had um, the papers doing the story about doctor dissatisfaction at the hospital. So I think there's a case of where the media has gone through a lot of change. Of it, you know, there's, in the time that you've been sort of out of Timor, there's been massive changes in the media, and it is quite a, a, a different bunch. I think we're to an extent, we've been sort of getting our feet back under the table and getting used to what we're doing. And I think going forward, there will be, you know, there's some fantastic reporters on the island and some really good work being done from all, the, all different platforms, really. You know, every 
every outlet has got as is doing a lot of really good work. I just think that at times there's 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 less of a cooperative nature at times than you'd want. I think that we've got a lot better relationship with this government than with the last government, which is helpful. But at the same time, I think we need to be wary of a slightly too familiar relationship and a lack of questioning is really how we got to this situation ourselves, where there's no way that any of us can look at this thing now, which has happened over the past two years. None of us can look back on this and say, oh, we've done a good job there. We've reported on a PAC report, we've reported on a tribunal report. Really, we should have been there at the start of this, and we weren't. And, and I should say at this point... Um, David Ashford, I have invited him onto this show and indeed uh, onto Agenda and there's an open invitation there to David if he's listening uh, to come on either of the shows uh, to give his side because you know, there is, there's always a different perspective, a different side to every uh, discussion um, but as yet uh, I haven't had a, a reply from uh, the Minister um, but, but Sam, I suppose in, in terms of next steps uh, you know what? What are I mean? The, the three further uh, strands of investigation to, to follow from from this uh, uh, from this tribunal. I think first thing is we need to. The, I think personally, the chief minister making a statement in this Timwood was the right thing to do. I don't think it should come back to Timwood now until the hearing into these documents has been completed. I don't until we get to a point where members can freely and openly discuss what has been reported. There's, there's no point. We're going to get back to the same point right now. Once we get to that stage, there then should be a full debate on it. Possibly even, I think they will do anyway, be referred to the Public Accounts say, Committee. Yeah, a, there was a commitment at yeah. to a general debate. And from there, it's a case of that. But I think ultimately there will be, no matter what happens now, and doesn't matter what goes on forwards, you have at least one minister who is now weakened by this and will remain weakened by Because people don't forget things like this. You know, they may... They, it, pass out of people's minds, but eventually it comes back round again. I think you are in an, in an inevitable situation where at least one minister will end up losing their role over this. When it happens, I don't know, but I think at least one minister, and possibly two, will end up either being asked to resign or fired over this. You know, we look at the history of um, COVID and you know the the sort of the scenarios and what happened, and obviously there's going to be a, an independent investigation into that or independent. Um, and you know the the steam packet scenario was also the same people, and you know it, it it's the same individuals that that things went wrong there. Well, the steam packet fiasco was the first witch hunt in history not to find a witch. <laughs> and so so it it you know it's maybe there's kind of situations in there that that also hopefully the independent review will will pull out too. Um, but I agree with I agree with Sam. I agree with him in that what the next steps forward are definitely a you know a general debate um, where we can speak openly. I know I will absolutely um, you know enjoy that because I think it's it's important that the public get to get to really see that debate happen. Um, but back to your point about it being uncomfortable. Yeah, it's really uncomfortable having to to to. Um, not point the finger but to talk about colleagues um i did speak with david before i said my questions in the morning of timwald i told him what i was going to say i wanted him to know that that was coming and um, i think that's only fair as as respect to him um he's a you know other members have said he is a good mhk he is um a nice man he doesn't take things personally um and that's really a very professional stance if he's made mistakes 
then then that's what he needs to stand up and say he's done um we're not necessarily those people to point that you have made mistakes. You know, this it needs to be properly investigated and it needs to be, um, you know, for his sake and for others. And that's not that's not my job. That's not uh, it's not Sam's job. You know, it needs it needs to be a proper investigation into it. And, and well, others. we'll 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 have a break now and uh, come back to this after. On agenda, uh, we're going to have uh, there's a, a fairly interesting, I think, uh, piece between uh, me, myself and uh, Alistair Ramsey. We're, we're going over some of the things that the chief minister said and what the potential implications of, of those might be. Um, but one question that I asked Alistair, because you know it's the question on many people's lips, uh, is how, how he would feel if he were David Ashford. I wouldn't be that relaxed, I don't think. Um, it's very difficult to say. I, th- I think there are there are two views of this. One is um, a kind of broad view of the ministerial responsibility, which says that if something goes badly wrong on your watch, you need to walk, because even though it's not your fault, it's your responsibility. And then there's a narrower, kind of more technical view of the, the minister's duties did you know if if no rules have been broken um if he's respected the boundaries in a fairly kind of rigid and blinkered way then you know he he hasn't technically done anything wrong so um my view when i saw the uh, tribunal report was that on the face of it the case against him wasn't overwhelming wasn't conclusive but he's not out of the woods yet there are further inquiries there is the covid inquiry itself um coming along so uh yeah and certainly on uh, the perspective program last week uh we heard the um a member from from the DHSC telling us fairly clearly that they were fully aware that this spat was going on and yeah. that they weren't being able to to listen to the advice of the person who was being paid to give them good advice on health matters. And indeed, the same was happening in, in the Council of Ministers. Indeed, uh, Dr. Allenson gave evidence to the, uh, um, the the tribunal to that effect. So so people were urging the minister to have the conversation and the minister was choosing not to. And as a result of not having um, had that conversation, presumably, the advice wasn't being heard. Yeah. And... Um, you know, we have to remember that uh, the whole COVID uh, uh, pandemic, uh, the whole situation on the island um, resulted in, in several people losing their lives. So it's, it, it, yeah, it's a difficult one. Uh, and, and I suppose on the other side of the, of, of the coin, the chief minister will be looking at who his most competent uh, ministers are. And with with the greatest respect to to the ministers who've only recently been appointed, uh, competence means a, a proven ability to deliver uh, good stuff at ministerial level. Um, so many of the new ministers um, are yet to be able to prove themselves. David Ashford is is now one of the longest serving ministers. Yeah, and he's you know he's well into his stride in the treasury. He seems to be reasonably on top of the cost of living issue, which is. Uh, has to be a priority. And I suppose, without wanting to downplay this, the danger of overreacting politically to this issue is that it then diverts you from from the issues that really are affecting people's um, 
standard of living and uh, you know the struggling to make ends meet so yeah they need to keep a kind of balance on this i think yes and so so possibly some form of public apology from from the the minister uh, would go some way to ad- addressing this concern yeah i think that needs to be seriously considered the the problem in these situations in my experience is that there's always legal advice in your ear that says don't admit liability you know this thing's subjudice don't you know now i'm not saying that that's happening now because i don't know but that tends to be it and there's again there's a certain type of politician who perhaps is completely driven by that type of advice rather than taking it into account and making their own political decisions yeah and and you you could you could reasonably conceive of a position um that would say that you could make some kind of public apology without uh, prejudice to ongoing investigation. You would expect so. So, uh, Claire uh, Christian, I mean, you, you asked the Chief Minister, uh, did he have confidence in the Treasury Minister? Uh, so I ask you the same question. Do you have confidence in the Treasury Minister? No. No, I don't. That's uh, a simple, simple answer. And your reasons for that? Um, I have reasons. I have reasons that I can't disclose. Um, I have gone through that with Minister Ashford, um, but it's very clear. Obviously, I mean, we can't talk about the tribunal, but obviously, upon reading that, and anybody can read that, so you know, they they can pick out the parts that I'm sure I'm I can pick out. Um, makes it very worrying um, uh, reading. I believe that you know. It's, it's very difficult to know what to say. Sorry, Phil. Um, look, ultimately, did he brush aside a senior medical director um, and for the sake of what reasons? Does he do this elsewhere? I would be very worried that that would be happening. Um, he's used, in his words, chain of command we can talk about that. That's public. You know, that's that's not something that's in the hearing. I don't believe chain of command should be used um, with regards to receiving information. Yes, for giving out orders if you're in the military, but not about receiving information, especially when, um, you know, lives are at risk. And, you're, you know, we went into the most terrifying situation a pandemic that this this you know country has never seen likes of before so as as Joni says in our lifetime um and so for those reasons no I, d- I don't have confidence and that does worry me that he's also in a, in a position now and and we can go on and you know and I, I've recently communicated today with with the treasury minister on a separate subject to do with pensions um to do with the state pension to say that you know the 3.1 percent isn't enough I'm concerned about that. He's talking about that we have to stay with the, with the UK on the triple lock. I don't agree with that. So I don't have faith with him in many areas, um, not just less to do with this tribunal. So, so uh, Joni, I suppose I, I, I'd ask you the same uh, question. Uh, do you have faith in the Treasury Minister? No, and I think, you know, you, you do put your own standards on it. And I think if I was in that situation, I would feel like I should resign and it's the right thing to do. Um, and the reasons really are... Whether it was, whether it was a, in good faith or not, I suppose, as in whether he really did believe um, the, what the CEO was telling him or, or not, he did not make good judgment 
in actually obtaining all the facts and made decisions based upon that very biased judgment that that had been presented to him. And it wasn't as though he wasn't aware that this was a potential concern because we know uh, from last week's programme that uh, both councillor ministers and the department were fully aware that this this sort of spat was going on uh, and indeed members of both Comin and the department had urged uh, Minister Ashford to speak with the uh, medical director. That's right, exactly. And um, as you know, as Claire's just said, we can't really talk about what what's actually happened in the tribunal. But that there, there are lots and lots of um, implications of that that judgment, which is runs to two hundred and three pages. But there are, and there is an awful lot in there that when you read it, it it's it's very um, eye opening and, and concerning. If you know, if we do have have. That the same person in charge of the public purse for me it seems like there are lots of questions that need to be answered first of all and you know we need to pull out what actually happened there and try to stop that from occurring in future but for now I would say that, that yeah if I was in his position I would resign. Yeah I would too and I, and I have to say that it, even, if, even if he was to resign temporarily while an investigation was being held that would be the honourable thing to do. And I think, as as Joni says, this is learning experiences for us. If we ever find ourselves in those positions ourselves, you know, you hear it now, hear from us. And I think that's really important that, that the public know that there are MHKs there that, that will uphold and be honest and have integrity. And I know that, that working with Joni, I know she, and she really does stand for what she says, and I'd be the same. And, and it absolutely, if it, I hope it never happens in the future. We must, our job is to push back, constantly ask questions to those civil servants. And I agree with the Chief Minister, we're we're not experts, and it is very encouraging to think that experts could be brought in to help independent experts, to help ministers in those scenarios. Um, And and yet, Sam, there's not an unreasonable argument. Uh, I I did rehearse this on on, uh, the Manon line uh, as we were responding to the Chief Minister's statement. You know, after the 2016 election, you had 12 uh, brand new squeaky clean MHKs elected. You had 10 with five years experience or less and two with just 10 years experience. Uh, In LegCo, we had a few experienced members, but they they left around about the time the the pandemic uh, began. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the fairly inexperienced House of Keys then elected a whole load of people with no political experience into LegCo. Do you think that this sort of situation could have happened if you'd have had some of those, uh, you know, stalwarts of Manx politics, you know, the, the likes of the Eddie Lowys, uh, Edgar Quine, uh, even David Cretney, people like that, if they would have known that the minister was was, was ignoring the advice of his medical director or, or not, even being prepared to speak to, to, to his medical director, surely they would have banged heads together behind closed doors and said, come on, sort this out. I was just thinking about whether, when you said that, about, I suppose I, I started getting involved with him more, really, when I was at school, and Eddie Tier was the Treasury Minister, and Alan Bell, and you had Peter Cowan around, and I can't imagine this going as far under the radar then as it did this time. I think the back benches were different as well, but you, you know, you did have figures like Peter Cowan who wouldn't have, you know, first of all, you would have not got anything questions about anything else, 
for the first next three months if you'd heard about it. You know, you had that sort of thing. And, you know, you had um, people like Kate Beecroft, another person who you wouldn't, you know, these sort of things. Mm-hmm. At the time, they were, you had different things. I think there is a different, there is an element of it is a different house. I think Timwood as a whole is very different. I mean, you know, Bill Henderson, I think, must be the most senior member by now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the Chief Minister's only been in, what was it, 10 years? So you, there is an interesting sort of, I suppose, different sort of thing of where you do have quite a young Timwold. Um But, I mean, politically, maybe, yes, an experience. But you, I think there's still a lot of wise people in there. I just think at times that maybe the 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 previous ability in the years come by to focus on an issue and sort of drive it in maybe has been lacking a little bit. I think one of the big one of the big people who has been very good at this actually has been the speaker in his role as PAC chair. And you could argue that his role as speaker is sort of limiting him on what he could be doing elsewhere. It's never limited speakers in the past. <laughs> no, but at the same time if you look at the work that PAC did, effectively in the last administration, the public accounts committee became the unofficial opposition to government. Mm. Because you did had you had the awkward bunch really. You had Mr. Watson, you had Chris Robertshaw, who's another person who his voice would get maybe surprised he wasn't a bit louder about this at the time. You know, you had Julie Edges around, you did have these sort of people who were the awkward bunch in a sense who were challenging the last administration more. I don't necessarily I think you've got yourselves this time around. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that the PAC is is potentially it hasn't had time to show its teeth yet. Potentially doesn't look quite in the same form as it did last time, but it could be too early to tell. I think the backbench as a whole, there's potentially gaps where there's not a lot of traction. A lot of voices are the same voices that we hear, like yourselves, uh, Jason Morehouse, Rob Callister, Chris Thomas. I just sort of think at times we could see a bit more from the others, which, if nothing else, just gives the appearance of democracy and to make things that are being questioned. And and I, I suppose um, we, we are getting a little closer to the end of the programme now and, and, and I wonder um, I mean I'm happy to carry on talking about this but there's there's, there's so much that can't be said and, and I think we've we've said a fair amount um, the, the, the there are other issues of course um, uh, in House of Keys this uh, week um, and, and I, I couldn't help but uh, smile about this because around about 19 years ago I was uh, getting elected um, in a by-election in Russian and about two weeks before the election, uh, the two Russian members uh, that were in at the time, Quinton Gill and uh, John Remington, decided to pose the question about assisted dying right in the middle of an, of, of an election campaign, at which somehow I had to come up, come up with a, a policy with uh, hardly any time to, to think about it. And here we are, 19 years on. Um, even for for the House of Keys, this is is not really particularly good uh, progress. Alex Allenson is mm-hmm. bringing a, a a private members' bill uh, to consider uh, assisted dying again. Um, so, putting the pair of you on the spot, I don't know, Joni or or Claire Jane. We start with Joni. Um, what what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I had this in my manifesto that I would be supportive of this. I did speak with several people on the doorstep about this issue. So I think that it's one that, that resonates with people. Um, I, I do think that it, it can potentially be divisive. Um, but we've had a couple of uh, presentations from Alex and from other professionals that he's brought in as well. Um, you, you know, very powerful um, sort of evidence and, and situations that have been posed to us so I, I am supportive of um, Alex Allenson's bill. 
And Claire? Um, so I agree. I am. I'm also supportive of it. Um, I, in in a very, I try and sort of strip things back. Um, awfully when I when I look at these kind of subjects, I think about my own family, and um, of course, I wouldn't want my own family to do that, and for selfish reasons that I, I want them to be around forever, and you know, and I want want them to to be in my life forever. But upon asking them, you know, they're very much. Of, of the of the thought that they would love to be given that choice should they need it and and so you know I, I have to put my own sort of selfish reasons aside and think of them and but 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 obviously our, our obligation and our duty is to make sure that whatever goes forward is is right for the island is um, is managed well it has um, the absolutely you know the policy that is is perfect and it has to be um, if that's possible but I think that what certainly what uh, Joni has mentioned about the the research etc that's, that's going into this we are it's such a very serious subject that we are all embedding ourselves with with making sure that the right decisions are going to be made and in a way you couldn't have a better person to be moving That's the right. the actual um, private members bill because uh, dr allenson will no doubt have had in his career uh, opportunity to 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 see uh, the, the the difficulties that people face. So. Well, that's absolutely right. So he's bringing all of that wealth of experience to this issue as well, and it shows. It really does show. I think it's quite important just to pick up on that point that Claire made there. That this actually is about choice, isn't it? And and there are lots of people who will feel quite offended by this, but that they don't have to take this choice. It's literally just about saying, if you want this, let's open this up to people who want this. But there's no it won't affect you if you don't want it. (laughs) But but it's also, I think there's a fear as as, as well amongst uh, particularly the elderly population that uh, um, assisted dying might be done onto them, even though they're they're, they're not particularly Uh, keen on the idea. From what we have learned so far, um, just to give you a couple of pointers, um, it's your choice. You're the ones that are doing it to yourself if you are able to do that. Um, and, you know, I think that's quite quite key. Um, it, it's, it's quite a dark subject to talk about, Phil, I have to be honest, but none of us have come out of those meetings going, you know, this is, it's, it's, it really takes your thoughts to a very, very dark place that this is, this is not, not a nice subject. Everybody that, that can opt for that, if this passes, has to be terminally ill within six months. So it's it's you know it's not something that you can say, just say you want to happen. Um, it's very very different. Um, so I think you know the, the, it really has has to be dated. Uh, the information to the public has to be really key on this mm. as well. Mm. We have to make sure we communicate at every point what it means and what what how it's going to be set up, etc. If it goes through. And uh, I, I suppose Sam, then uh, uh, any particular other highlights you th- you felt because there were other things happened in in Tinwald uh, this week. Uh, anything else that particularly struck you? I quite like the idea of e-scooters. I thought it was great. I, I thought it was great. It's it, you know it struck me as something that would be really good. Um, it's interesting because if you talk to Liverpool uh, City Council, you know, oh, they they absolutely can't stand them. They're absolutely they're, they're the worst things that have ever happened for Liverpool. Um, oh, I think but, but they look great and they're you know they're everywhere. Mm, but they, yeah. they look completely. They, they look a lot of fun. I just think it's completely the wrong thing to do. <laughs> it's the uh, massive contradiction, but I think they look great. But at the same time, I was in Nottingham and they've got a system down there where they sort of just you drop them wherever you yeah. finish with them and then yeah, they get yeah. picked up by a guy in a van and you're like, 
it just clutters everywhere up and it looks horrible. Um, no, but just if I take it back down to a slightly darker thing, on the um, assisted dime with what will come through, I hope that we've learnt the lessons of what happened during the abortion debate. There was a lot of times where very personal attacks were made on people at that period. And it doesn't matter what side you're on with this. I think we've matured, hopefully matured as an island after that and we can have this as a debate in and outside of Timwald. Because there were times, I mean, I think we were papers us during the abortion we were getting sent letters written in red ink and you're like this is you know and it doesn't you will inevitably have a thing where Dr. Lanson will either be an angel of mercy or Dr. Death mm. and he's big enough to, to sort of take that but I just think that you know let's if we're going to do it let's have a proper discussion and if people want it they want it if people don't want it they don't want it but ultimately we have to as an island decide if this is something that we want and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because it won't be a short period. It's going to be over a year or so this will take to by the time consultations and everything else. So I'm actually really looking forward to see how that plays out over the next sort of 18 months probably and then see where we are. But ultimately we also have to move on things like medicinal cannabis before we get to that stage, to be honest, because we're still stuck backwards on that one. So maybe there's other things that we could be doing at the same time. So Yeah, and and, and I suppose actually the, the comments you make there equally apply in, in, in terms of this this whole uh, sorry saga with uh, the DHSC versus Dr. Ranson. Uh, you know, I don't think it, it, it is incredibly difficult for the personalities to, to separate out the, 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 um, the pain that they must feel when they are being criticised uh, from the fact that actually that this, this is how politics works. You know, you, 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 are, you are expected as uh, a politician to say it how you feel, uh, say, say it how it is. And uh, you know, David Ashford may have found, uh, if, he, if he's listening, uh, th- this uh, programme to be quite an uncomfortable listen. But that doesn't mean to say that uh, we don't have respect for him as a, as, as a person. And certainly prior to this whole uh, matter um, breaking, uh, I, I, I had felt that David was, was doing a, an exceptional job as Treasury Minister. Um, but of course, you know, we, we, we just just because you're doing a good job in a particular area doesn't mean to say that uh, um, you, you are immune for, uh, for criticism. Um, the, the other thing that I spotted... Uh, and and uh, perhaps I was a bit harsh on the enterprise department on, on last week's uh, perspective. Uh, we had uh, Anne Collett and Rob Collister in, and uh, I suggested that R- uh, John Remington's uh, description of departmental plans as meaningless drivel might have been appropriate uh, again in, in these resurrected plans. Um, the, I mean, the uh, the enterprise department's plan was... was a, Lengthy. Uh, it didn't seem to have anything new in it, um, n- nothing particularly new that I could see anyway, and it didn't have anything that you could reasonably de- debate politically. Um, am I just being overly critical and cynical there, or, or, or does anyone else uh, have that, share that view? Do you want to go? Uh, go shall I? <laughs> How long have you got? <laughs> I mean, I think... What I thought about both of the plans that are presented in this week's Home World really was that the, we did the the island plan was supposed to be the as they kept saying the high level plan and then the departmental plans were supposed to be putting meat to the bones um, and I, I didn't think that there was a great deal of meat <laughs> going onto that bone um, I, I guess yeah. yeah and my point of view is is that the the island plan is flawed 
always has been. I will not. I didn't vote for it. Um, it's flawed because there's no budgetary process that's linked to it. Um, as we can see, we've got absolutely. We we almost need to be rewriting it already because we're running into financial difficulties. Is going to be, you know, our economics our economy is absolutely. You know, inflation's at nine percent, all-time high in forty years. History shows that it's it's not going to come down. And and we were all told during this budget that oh, inflation will come down by September. It's not going to come down. I said it then. It's not going to come down now. It takes economists for to to persuade, um, you know, Minister Ashford that that's actually what's going to happen. It it it's flawed. So any any departmental plan. I'm obviously you know we it, it's almost business as usual. You know, what, what we can do, we can try and get done. I'm in two departments and, and yes, obviously, that, that you can focus a priority on on certain key points from the plan. But there's, there's what, what have we done in, in seven months? What's, what's this government done in the seven months? What are we going to be? What, what are we going to be able to say by time we come to Timwell Day that we've actually achieved? We've, we, and unfortunately, this administration have had an awful lot of mess to pick up from the last one. And I agree that that is difficult. But those quick wins that I kept hearing, what are the quick wins that we can do? I, I'd, be, I'd be astonished if we actually have any by July, any, any of them. And that really, for me, is a shame. And I really hope that that I'm proved wrong. I hope I'm proved wrong and that there are, you know, a dozen quick wins that we can at least list and go, this is what we've done. Because that's what the public expects. And I should say, any ministers listening in, we, we, we would be delighted to have you on the programme. The last two programmes that we've run, I've invited ministers on. I invited a minister onto this programme, um, but they were unavailable. Um, so um, it would be great to hear the government side uh, at some point. This programme was pre-recorded on Thursday afternoon, so events may have overtaken us. For now, though, I'm Phil Gorn, Goromayu. Thanks for listening. <laughs>